Hello, everyone. Welcome back to another week of My Sister Made Me View a Book's Edition covering Words of Radiance. My pizza order is on the way, and I'm trying to get the intro and the outro recorded and done, like, as fast as I can before the pizza man gets here. So, uh, theme song, go, 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 go. Hey, guess what, Emily? Hey, what? It's time to do the second book! It's time to do the second book! I'm so excited! We made it all the way through walk, and now we're going to go all the way through war. (laughs) (laughs) And I have this beautiful book in my hand, and it's giant, but I'm not allowed to look at the front cover. No, you're not. Not yet! Not yet. Uh, Hello, everyone. Welcome to My Sister Made Me View It Books Edition, now covering... Words of Radiance by Brandon Sanderson. Yes! I forced Emily to read Warbreaker in the name of our podcast name, and she was upset, but she did it anyway. And now we're in book two! I'm a believer! (laughs) In this week's reading, Yasna and Emily have the same idea. (laughs) Hey, Emily. What? So in this week's reading, we covered the prologue and then chapters one, Santhid, chapter two, bridge four, and chapter three, pattern. Dun, 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 dun. <gasps> Emily, we're in a new book. We're in a new book and there's so much knowledge before us. This book is huge. It's getting going a lot quicker than yes. book one. Yes, as you guys may recall, book one had a really steep learning curve for me, especially because I'm not a brick fantasy reader. And so I was almost, I I approached this book, the second book, with almost a little bit of trepidation, just going, ugh, if I have another steep learning curve, I'll do it, but it's going to be exhausting. Uh Uh-huh. But no, we just jump right into the good stuff. Yeah, we do. And Emily... When does this prologue take place? Prologue? Oh my gosh, you guys. I'm so scared already. The prologue takes place a year in the future in 1174, but it doesn't sound like things are going well. Those are the epigraphs. Oh. I'm talking about the actual (laughs) prologue. I was like, what? (laughs) I read a different book. What are you talking about? The prologue takes place the night of King Gavilar's death assassination murder and whose point of view is it <gasps> yes no point of view and it's ironic that her dad got assassinated because she leaves the party early to go meet with an assassin first time i read it i actually thought oh my gosh was yasna behind gavilar's assassination oh. for like just a second mm-hmm. um but first off what is the title of the prologue it's called to question do you remember what Seth's chapter was called? Nope. To kill. Oh. So, Emily, yes. you now have two points. Can you surmise a pattern? That's... Are the chapters going to line up with each other? Not perfectly. Okay. Every book is going to show us Gavilar's assassination <gasps> from a different character's yes. point of view. So we're going to see this night... Multiple times. Multiple times. I'm very excited about that. Yasmin's is a great point of view, though, because she... How am I, how am I going to put this? She's really aloof and really 
like she really looks down on everyone else who is basically reveling and becoming drunk and stupid I guess in her words you know the way that she looks at them which is like these are a bunch of idiots and I'm going to do this important thing so the kingdom will keep running thanks everybody thanks dad is thanks yes, brother is yes not the Sherlock Holmes <laughs> um she might be the Mycroft oh I love that yeah, yeah. but yeah Elokar she- is not Sherlock <laughs> not by a long shot <laughs> Oh, Elokar, you're fine, but you're fine. (laughs) So, we start off with Yasna is going to meet an assassin, and on her way there, something pretty creepy happens to her. Yes, so she's walking along. First of all, she notices there's someone dressed in all white, (laughs) a shin person, and she's like, that's weird. But as she's walking, her shadow starts pointing the wrong way. And it doesn't freak her out because she's like, oh, no, not again. So I'm like, is this a dream? Is this, I thought maybe for a second, do you remember the guy whose shadow pointed the wrong way? And I, I freaked do. out. I remember that. <laughs> I didn't know if suddenly her heritage was going to get called into question, but it seemed like it's just like a really weird thing. I don't know if it's a curse or if this is like a Shadesmar thing of mm-hmm. like, She's seeing things that aren't really there, like Dalinar, you know, kind of was seeing stuff that had already happened but wasn't really there. She's desperate to make sure no one sees it. Because, like, Sadius is standing there and she's desperate that he doesn't see it and she's trying to figure out a way to explain it or, like, another light source she can create so that it would explain her shadow going the wrong way. But eventually it goes the right way. Mm-hmm. Um, here's something interesting. She notices Seth... But in his prologue, he did not notice her. That's right. He says, where was Yasna, the king's daughter? Oh. That's true. Because she's left because did she just barely declare herself a heretic? Pretty recently, yeah. Ooh, okay. So not at the party, but oh, before yeah, this. No, I don't okay. think so. Um, so Seth's prologue probably started a little bit after this because his started when he was already waiting at the back of the hall Mm -hmm. um so she is just passed by the hall as seth is entered okay anyway um after she leaves the hall she runs into her dad gavilar who's alive who's he who's he chatting with (laughs) he's talking to stupid amaram amaram so the king is talking to amaram but but yasna can't hear it but the king is being very sharp and speaking very harshly in low tones. Which, again, good for him when you're speaking to your... Subordinates? Subordinates. Yeah, I was about to say employees. But the, but he doesn't, like, take him out and berate him in the middle of everything. Like, you know in, like, a lot of shows where, like, the bad guy's like, you failed me, and he just kills everybody, and soon <laughs> there's nobody left. And... You will not fail me a second time. Yeah. So I like that about Gavilar, that he's obviously upset about something, but he's not making a scene and not kind of Mm -hmm. flouting his own importance. And uh, what is the nature of the relationship between Amaram and Yasna? I don't know. Didn't it say something that made you mad? Oh, yeah. Her dad wants to match them up together, wants to play matchmaker between Yasna and this guy. And so Yasna would be, what, 28-ish around this point? I don't know how old Amaram is. 
but I'm assuming he's way older than 28. Why would you assume that? As a high prince. Unless his dad died and he inherited stuff. Amaram's not a high prince. He's a bright lord. <laughs> oh. High prince is like a king. Yeah. Um, Amaram is a high-ranking bright lord in Sadius's princedom. I, this whole time, thought Amaram was like Sadius and he's not that, He's not that high up. Oh, so okay. He's, 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 he's still very, very high-level high light eyes. Yeah. But, yeah, so he is nobility. Okay. Um, and he would be considered a good match for Yasna. The, okay, no. The king's daughter doesn't even get married off to a high prince. The high princes are already married, probably. I mean, who does their writing for them? Your your wife is your... Remember how people think it's kind of odd that Dalinar hasn't remarried yet? Mm. So... Listen, I just want Yasna to have every good thing in the world. Uh-huh. And I don't think any of these guys are good enough for her. <laughs> she needs to be empress of the world. Well, too bad women can't inherit Dang Alistair. <laughs> but hey, maybe women could rule the whole world. Maybe it could happen. Maybe that could happen. I'm thinking like some sort of political alliance with another country where she gets to actually marry a king mm-hmm. and like... Yeah, so do you remember Not when... that she would want to. She probably likes being a librarian, truth versus alien. Yeah, probably. Um, do you remember when Kaladin first gets to the Shattered Plains and he's telling everybody, I was in Amaram's army. Mm-hmm. And Gaz is like, stop saying that name like we know who that is. Oh. If Amaram had been a high prince, they, they would have they recognized it. Okay, I'm not as upset about this as I was Kaladin's appearance in the battle. <laughs> And his name is, his first name is Meridus. A weird name. Meridus Amaram. Oh. Is that a palindrome? I don't have it in front of me. I I lied. Maybe he is a high prince. I thought he was. But if he was, if he was a high prince. Oh, no, he's not. Never mind. Okay. So yeah, Amaram is not a high prince. He is a high-ranking bright lord that is in Sadius's kingdom, which is why, one, I think Kaladin ended up in Sadius's war camp. Mm-hmm. Oh, no, that doesn't make sense. Sadius was just taking whoever he wanted to be a, yeah. to be a whatever. No, 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 let me try this again. Amaram is not a high prince. This is why he was fighting away from the Shattered Yeah, place. he was doing, like, border disputes or mm-hmm. whatever, so... Um, the king has sent Amaram on some errand and he and Yasna, Gavilar and Yasna are talking and Yasna's a little, not paranoid. She's not, not paranoid at all to the level of Elokar at all, but she is distinctly worried that her dad is suspicious of her. What? You mentioned last book that Elokar was paranoid and Yasna was cautious. There. Hey. Themes. I went to English school. Went to English school. Anyway, what you were saying is uh, she's worried her dad is suspicious of her. Yeah, and doesn't trust her. She's like, could he know that I'm going to go meet with an assassin? Um, but they don't. They don't really address it or anything. She just keeps. She just keeps going. And then. And then. She has. She falls into shade, Smar. Okay. Well, that was. Or is it a vision? Fast. I mean, that's what happened. First, <laughs> her shadow starts to point the wrong way again. Again, okay. And then she sees figures formed from them, from shadows, growing, standing, rising, 
One took the shape of a man of midnight blackness, though he had a certain reflective cast as if he were made of oil. No, of some other liquid with a coating of oil floating on the outside, giving him a dark prismatic quality. And he has a sword and he is coming at her. Naked sword. Naked sword. Shout out to Rashawn. Shout out to Rashawn. <laughs> Got to be one of my favorite podcast hosts. <laughs> so Yasna is like, she, she knows that she... Like, there's nothing she can do. She's extremely logical at this point. Yes, she is. Like, this thing is coming to kill her with a sword, and she's she's realizing, even if I call, no one's going to get here in time. What can I do? And she falls into a sea of beads. And I don't know how big they are, because when, when initially I thought they were, like, sphere size, like uh -huh. the money sphere, but I feel like even if you were on one of those, it would be buoyant. So I don't know if it's, like, the little tiny, tiny beads that you do with, like, a needle and thread. Mm -hmm. Here's a question for you, Emily. Okay. How big is a money sphere? Like, that big. It's about the size of a thumbnail. Dang, no! You are ruining everything that I have imagined about this book! That also, listen, I used to picture spheres the size of bouncy balls, right? <laughs> Something maybe an inch and a half in diameter, mm -hmm. really big. But if you're carrying a whole pocket of <laughs> spheres, the bulbous size of a bouncy ball, it's too big. So, so they're about the width of your thumbnail in a sphere. I'm so sorry. Just crushed all my dreams. And I'm not going to let you wander about in ignorance anymore. <laughs> I'm going to make sure you know what what. Okay. So you don't freak out every time something new happens. <laughs> I was telling Megan, I'm like a toddler at this point because... I just want to lie down and take a nap. <laughs> I couldn't find a cup I wanted to use, a very specific cup. And I'm like, Megan, before I have a freak out, I need you to help me find this cup. So I think Shadesmar beads are about the size of a pea. Okay, that I, I get. Because if it was bigger, like I was thinking, I think it would be easier to stay afloat of it. But Yasna like sinks through it and she's... You would think like, oh, you just move the beads around and you can breathe. No, like they're pressing in on her and she can't get her hand around there to get a good, you know, air bubble or whatever. And then Megan explained how she fixes it. She is fishing about in the beads and as she is touching one of them, she gets the impression of something. And here's something that's interesting, though, as she's as she's floundering, She's thinking that I'm going to die and I will never know the answers. Oh. And then she thinks, no. And each bead she touches gives her an impression of something. Mm -hmm. Like door. an echo or? Yeah, probably like. Uh... <laughs> okay, this is going to be weird. But the way I always picture it is, you know, when you smell something, you know what it is. Uh-huh. She touches something and she knows what it is, even though it's a round bead, but her brain is like, oh, this is the chew. The candlestick. Yeah, that sort of stuff. And she snatches a bead in her hand and it feels like a cup. And then she gives something to it. She's not sure what. Emily, could you deduce what she gives to oh. the bead stormlight probably all right and all of and then a group of beads come together and form a cup 
is it okay dumb question is does it turn into like a silver goblet cup or is it a cup made out of these beads it is a cup made out of beads <clears throat> okay so it says each bead is a pattern a guide for the other so now she's swimming through the beads and she's trying to find something specific mm -hmm. and she's digging through a platter a coat a statue a lantern and so even though each of these beads is uniform in size and shape uh, she touches one that gives her the impression of something huge. It's a palace. Ancient. It's the palace that she's in. Yeah. And so is this like opposite world where like, or like an ague where like everything exists. What is this? Look, keep going. Keep going. <laughs> where it's like. Now I'm nervous. No, you, you were doing so, so good. Sorry. Intense. You just stare at me all day. <laughs> I just got this fiery look in my hair. I'll just look away. Emily, what do you think this place is? So I'm wondering if it is, when I say opposite, I mean either an AU or um, a Shadowland or a Echo or like the inverse when you look at a photograph and then you change it from color to like, what is the, what is that exact thing where it's. Not overexposed, but it, the op it's opposite colors. Oh, I think it's the inverse. Dang it, this is escalate all over again. <laughs> um, negative. Yes. So that's that's what I'm wondering. But I don't know why everything is deconstructed. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. And it's just like the idea of a thing instead of the actual yeah, thing. Yeah, yeah. Anyway, she finds the palace and then all the beads start to shift together and form under her feet yeah. like the palace rises from this lake and it's just made of beads pretty 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 pretty, pretty. <laughs> and then she pulls up another bead because the dark figure's back yeah and oh here's the thing yasna doesn't form the entire palace oh. because she's like i'm i'm not strong enough to do that but she creates the hallway no roof, but it's like the hallway, some pillars and everything. Enough to keep her from sinking down into the beads. Remember when she saved Shalon from Shadesmar in the yeah, first Yeah, she's book? in a boat. We're not a boat, Charlie. And then she calls something else from the palace. Oh, yeah! She calls a statue of Talinalot. A herald of war. A tall, muscular man with a large shard blade. So she calls up the statue, mm -hmm. even though... <gasps> oh, no. Okay, never mind. Sorry. <laughs> Do you remember how know, we yes. learned we learned that high-ranking officials get turned into statues when they die? Uh -huh. Like, they get soul cast into statues. Uh -huh. I thought for a second that might have been the actual Ten Heralds. But I realized at the end of the book, Talanalai came back. Mm -hmm. Sorry, I went off on a tangent. Won't Probably won't happen again. Bear with me. And I got excited at this point, Meg, because I was like, there was only nine statues in the hallway... But the one that was missing when Shen, Shen noticed, no, when Seth noticed it, it was Shalash uh -huh. that was missing. Yep. So why? I don't know. <laughs> I do know. I know why. <coughs> Man, maybe you'll just have to wait till the prologue of book three. It's <laughs> <laughs> very frustrating. Anyway, she comes back out of it. Okay. What's her first thought? Yasna is in denial. Or shock. Or both. Um, she's like, oh, I should write that down. And, but she's like, I don't have time for this. I have to go meet the assassin. I'm like, her brain is so compartmentalized. Like, I didn't, I didn't not believe that this could be possible. Uh-huh. 
But I'm like, if anyone were to do that, it would be Yasna. But I'm just like, you just traveled to another world. Unless that's the first time she's... Is that the first time she's been? I think it's the first time she's been. If that was me, I would be freaking out. She recognizes what the place is. How does she know the name? Uh, It says that's what it's called in the nursery tales. The mythical kingdom of the Spren. So it's like she went to Narnia and is like, whatever. Spren Narnia. (laughs) Spren Narnia. (laughs) Just kidding. What's it really called? Shadesmar. Shadesmar. Yeah. I'm just saying, I felt that moment deserved a little more um, pondering instead of I'm going to be late for an appointment with an assassin to, you know. Uh Uh-huh. Anyways. As she's going, she can hear the Parshendi drums echoing through the palace. That's right. That's right. If you remember, the signal for Seth to go kill Gavilar was a change in the rhythm of the drums. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. Okay, so she goes to meet... The assassin, whose name is Liss, L-I-S-S. What's her assassin name? It's Liss. No, that's her Christian name. Oh. <laughs> her maiden name? Uh, the Weeper, because this woman gouges the eyes out of, uh, of the people that she kills. She's an enucleator. Yeah. Do you know why she gouges people's eyes out? They say, uh, okay, there's several reasons. Nobody knows that this assassin is a woman. They don't know this. And then people say, like, oh, it's because she doesn't care if they're dark-eyed or light-eyed or whatever. And What's yeah. the real reason? Uh, Liz, oh, Liz, <gasps> Liz didn't want anyone to know the way she killed left corpses with burned-out sockets. She has a shard blade? <gasps> Maybe. Ooh! That's so exciting. Yeah. Mm. So. Anyway. Uh, has Yasna hired Liz to kill somebody? What is she? Paying? Yes, no. but then she says, "Wait and watch." And the victim slash person of interest, person of interest, is Yasna's sister-in-law, Asidon, who apparently is not a nice person. Yeah. Which she and Elokar are made for each other. Then, so I want to know where this woman is from. Mm-hmm. If she is a Lethe or if this was just like a political alliance, if she's from mm-hmm. another country. Oh, and guess what? We also find out they have a kid. They're secret grandparents, secret wives, secret kids. So there is a, there is an heir in line to the throne first before Adolin, before Renarin, before Dalinar even. Uh-huh. Because Dalinar's the next in line. Is he? I would think so. Like, if this kid died. Oh, if the kid died. If the kid died. Yes, I apologize. Sorry, I thought you were saying if Elokar died. And I was like, pretty sure that the boy would be <laughs> With, you know, some kind of Regency situation. Mm-hmm. mm-hmm. And so she she was going to have her kill. Okay, correct me. She was going to have her kill of this sister-in-law. And then Yasna says, wait, just watch her. But why does she say that? Um... It's, I don't think she hired her to kill Aesodon. Mm-hmm. She's like, oh, I have a contract for you, but it's not to kill her. It's to watch her. Got it. Because Lys and Yasna have a long-standing arrangement. Yes. Which is? Okay, let me get the right one. Where does it say that? I know what it is. I just want to make sure I say it rightly. Uh, you mean correctly? Yes. You didn't even say that correctly. I didn't. <laughs> Basically, I can't find it, but basically the agreement is 
Yasna keeps Liss on her payroll because Liss will come to her if she is hired out to kill any of the royal family. And then Yasna will pay her more to not to and to kill the person that yeah. that, that sent the hit out. Um, so yeah, if, if anyone contracts Liss to kill the people on Yasna's list, Liss has to come to Yasna first. Mm-hmm. And Yasna will price match and pay more to go after the person who put the hit out. Nice. Which is smart. She's thinking like 12 steps ahead. Which you would have to. She reminds... You know who she reminds me of? Whomst. Okay, let me get the name right. Natasha Romanoff. That. <laughs> oh my gosh, I can't think of it. Who's the queen from Queen of Atolia? Oh. It's not Helen. Iris. Irene. 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 Um, so there's a book series, if you guys are familiar, with, by Megan Whalen Turner called The Thief Series. And one of the queens of this country basically is in danger of dying at all times so she always has to be the one bribing people and making sure her people are loyal to her and she's got to keep her barons in line i think yasna and irene would be a terrifying like a terrifying you know alliance and the world would bow before them and then sorry guys i feel like we're dragging this out a lot no it's fine listen Prologues have a lot of information and things in them. Do you remember how long we talked about Seth and like every little piece of detail? Mm -hmm. There's stuff. Okay. We find out through the power of connect the dots Uh that Liz had an old servant. I say old. I don't mean in age. I mean in past times. Previous. Who was Shin and who was very faithful to all her commands. So much so that it freaked her out and she sold him. Her old servant was Seth. Probably. Who is now back in the past. Probably. Probably. There could be more than one truthless. We don't know. You think Seth's the only truthless that's ever existed? The only Shin truthless, I would All think. All truthless are Shin. It's a Shin cultural oh, thing. I didn't know that. Yeah. Oh. I mean, okay, then maybe there's 12 of them. I don't know. Crap, maybe I shouldn't have said anything. <laughs> I was just like, it, it's so very clearly tied in with his culture and his identity. I feel it's fair to say that Truthless is a Shinovar thing. Oh, is it? Is that fair to say? I feel so. <laughs> there's how many swords? <laughs> so mean to me. I'm mean to you. It's fair, though. I deserve it. No, I'm not being, I'm not being mean to you. <laughs> Anyways, Yasna realizes something is wrong because, like, the the drums have changed or whatever. (laughs) Hey, who are these people that she runs past in the hallway? Okay, I didn't get this one. You explain this to me. I still don't get it. Okay, so she runs into a couple people. And one of them is worried about someone named Ash. Okay. And the other person says, you're worried about everything. Yasna hesitates. She's getting worse, the voice continued. We weren't supposed to get worse. Am I getting worse? I think I feel worse. Shut up. I don't like this. What we've done was wrong. That creature carries my lord's own blade. We shouldn't have let him keep it. He... And then he gets cut off. So I thought they were talking about Seth here as well, but I don't think that's the case anymore. Well, maybe it might could. Maybe it's another another shin, Megan. Maybe. So one of these guys 
uh, is Azish with a white birthmark on his cheek, or is it a, a scar? And this guy's taller of the two. Do you remember in the in the first book we were learning about um, what different people from different countries look like? Do you remember mm-hmm. how, what Azish people look like? Mm-mm. All right, they have. Oh, no, I don't. Oh, do I have my notebook? Hold on, let me see if I wrote it down. I swear I started keeping track. Oh nope. I just wrote Asia's, and there's no description. <laughs> you right. tell me what it is. Uh, he's going to have dark skin and hair, um, and then he'll have a little white scar on his cheek. All of them do? Nope, just this one. Oh, okay. <laughs> they don't all have a scar. I didn't know if it was like a cultural it, thing You're or right. Whatever. My bad. This fantasy world, that could happen. Dark skin and hair. Okay, And um, cool. then the shorter of two men seems like he could be a lethe, stops talking when he notices Yasna, and then he leaves. And Yasna somewhat recognizes these two. Uh, they're ambassadors mm-hmm. from the West. And she feels like she wants to investigate them. Like, she should look... I mean, she looked... Yasna double-checked everybody who had come to this party because mm-hmm. that's the sort of cautious person she is. Yeah, because Elokar probably didn't think about it. But yeah, had they been talking about a shard blade? Put a pin in that. Okay, I will. Yasna realizes way too late that something is wrong mm-hmm. and she runs to her father's room just in time to see the balcony collapse and him fall to his death. <laughs> Which gave me very Simba Lion King vibes of like that <laughs> zoom out. Yeah, yeah. Where like even though I don't know, I don't get the feeling that they were close, especially at least mm-hmm. now. Maybe they were close when, when she was younger, but Especially when she was saying, is he suspicious of me, you know, but it's her dad. I mean, you know. Yep. And at first she thinks it, it might be Liz's fault. Oh, yeah. She watches. Sorry. As she's running to get to her dad's rooms, she's running through the trail of destruction that we saw in the Way of Kings prologue. Right, right. The corpses with the burned out eyes. And, and for a moment she's she's considering it might be. Listless. Yeah. And I want to read one bit. She should get someone who could help. Dalinar? He'd be drunk. Sadius, then. Yeah. And as Yasna's watching kind of the aftermath, she sees the guy, she sees the assassin take, what? Sadius was the decoy inside the armor. Yes. She doesn't know that, though. I know, but I know that. How was he holding on to Gavilar's shard blade? Where? In the first prologue, he had a shard blade. He fought Seth with it. Maybe he took Dalinar. I, oh, do you know what? Sorry, I take I take it back. There's there's other stuff in this book that shows that the king's shard blade can be used by other people. My bad. Okay. Never mind. Okay. I was freaking out for a second, being like, "Come to you with me." But it works. Wait, I'm so stupid. Sadius wasn't in the suit of armor. Gavilar was in the suit of armor. That's the whole point. point. Okay. That's the point of lying. <laughs> I figured it out. I figured it out. I was like, yeah, the decoy. They put him in the suit of armor. <laughs> Man, I wish. <laughs> <laughs> so here's the thing. Um, Yasna watches the Shin assassin take light inside of him, which is already mm-hmm. going to throw a kink into... Him into Yasna being on Kaladin's side because she's going to see what he can do and automatically be like, you're a bad guy. Oh, uh, we're throwing kinks in here now. No, that is not (laughs) what 
we are doing at all. Harder pack. Sorry. <laughs> I don't want to. I don't want to watch Yasna not like Kaladin. Okay. I don't want to do it. Okay. So that's what's gonna happen. I don't know. You do. You're I've such never a read liar. This book before. You probably won't have to watch Yasna do that. <laughs> I mean, she's clever. Yeah. And she doesn't seem somebody who's led by emotion. Not, okay, she has emotions. I'm not saying, I'm saying she's not ruled by her emotions. Right. She's not Dalinar who if someone says you're drunk, he cuts their heads off Yeah, she's not someone who makes snap judgments about a book character. (laughs) (laughs) Oh, we're going there now. Okay. (laughs) So, Yasna's watching this. And the Parshendi leaders, like, are right, come right up behind her. And they're like, we're so sorry for your loss. And I'm like, the nerve of these people. Remember, my theory still is they are taking the fall for someone else. But these guys, we find out, are hung. Like, they either leave and are tracked down and brought back. Hanged. 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 Um, They're killed. And that's a lot of trust in your principles or beliefs if you're willing to die for something you didn't do mm-hmm. like what the heck's going on um so when you were saying i think someone's paying the percentage to take the fall mm-hmm. there's one thing i want to point out to you is that seth said his masters were the percentage and they've asked him to follow one of their traditions very carefully and it's to wear white because if one was to kill a king it was only fair that they saw you coming or yeah. whatever. If you're going to kill somebody, it's only fair they see you coming. Right. Which I feel um, plays in very well with the fact that they immediately step up and take responsibility for the murder. Oh, that makes sense. That makes a lot of sense, actually. Yeah. A lot of sense. And these leaders uh, very calmly agree to be punished and hanged for their crimes. But it's uh, it turns out that... This whole hullabaloo and public execution was a cover to let the bulk of the other Parshendi who were here oh, get away. Oh. Like all of the drummers and the people in their retinue and the... Mm-hmm. And, and Alethi Calvary were sent after them to capture them. What happened to the Calvary? They didn't come back. No, they did not. Nope. Oh, also interesting. We talked about how Yasna's very logical and she has very like compact brain spaces. Um, so the Parshendi have just told her that they're responsible for the the death. And this is from Yasna's point of view. And as she's like listening to them, she's like categorizing like, well, this is a female. And so like, she's going through like the different culture things, that you know, she knows. that she knows about them. And she's like cataloging stuff. And then she's like, stop, my dad just died. Like, stop being a scholar for five minutes. And like, ugh. so it's a, I think it's a blessing and a curse. Mm hmm. And Emily, why? She asks them why. Mm-hmm. And what was their reasoning? Because your father was about to do something very dangerous. So I don't know if like, okay, remember one of my theories was the way of kings was a magic tome that if you read it or listen to it, you fall under some spell. So I don't know if that was a th- Did you speak that specific I theory? Did, yes. I didn't realize that you had connected it to the book. Oh, yeah, because I, I didn't trust one of the new scribes. Oh, yeah. Okay. And I'm just like, she's a witch, and she's putting him under a spell. And Okay, yeah, so I thought that you thought the scribe 
was oh the, the source of the magic, but you believe the book, the, the way of cakes. Book. <laughs> because the thing is, like, if Gavilar's going to go do something very dangerous, and he's just become obsessed with the way of kings, which talks about the desolations and everything, my fear is that Gavilar was going to try and restart the cycle himself. And that is a dangerous thing that they were going to stop. But the Parshendi are the void bringers. So wouldn't they want to be free? Or maybe they don't want to be free. Maybe they like who they are now and don't want to. So there's possibly a difference between a Parshendi and a Parshman. Oh, you are right. Yasna believes the Parshman are void bringers. But they may be connected to... The Parshendi. We don't know yet. Um, these are both the Alethi words and the Alethi terms for them. Mm-hmm. Um, Parshendi means a Parshman who could think. Right. And neither side seem to see that as a insult, even yeah. though it's definitely is. Sucky. So what are the Parshendi? What do the Parshendi call themselves? I don't know. We'll probably never find out. It's Listen. Yeah. Listen. What has Yasna done after the Parshendi leaders were hanged? Uh, she tries to find out everything she can about the previous owner, but she can find nothing before Liss. Previous owner of? Seth. Yeah. Or whoever her servant was. Maybe a different Shin. Maybe. <laughs> Maybe he's got a Shin brother. <laughs> it was her brother. <laughs> um, but yeah, next came the books, a dedicated, frenzied effort to distract her from what she lost. That night, Yasna had seen the impossible. She would learn what it meant. Like... She is going after this with every, like, spare ounce of energy and passion to, like, not fix it. Because you can't fix it, but to find out what. So, this has been her passion, is figuring out who Seth is and why Gavilar was killed. Yeah. What does that have to do with the research she's doing now? I think it has to do with um, the Parshmen, who are maybe or may not be connected with the Parshendi, who hired mm-hmm. the Assassin in White to kill Gavilar. Okay. So. But yep, now we're into part one, Alight. Alight! Who are our point of view characters? Shalon, Kaladin, and Dalinar. Yay! Yay! <laughs> All right, chapter one, Santhid. Okay, so this is what I was talking about uh-huh. before Megan corrected me, as she should have. The epigraphs to each chapter are from uh, Navani's diary, but they're a year in the future. Lifted from the journal of <laughs> Navani Khalid. You and I are doing something incredibly forbidden. What? We're reading the future. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> She's a rich better. So here's the epigraph. So guys, if you haven't read it, just know it's bad. Okay? Bad things are coming. Uh, it's the whole thing all over again of like, would you rather know Tian died or would you rather be surprised by it? Would you rather know bad things happened or would you rather be surprised by it? I don't know, but at this point, I don't like it. Okay. Uh, do you think you can know exactly what's happening from this epigraph? No, but it's the it's the emotional the vibe. vibe. Yes. Rancid vibes. Rancid vibes. It says, to be perfectly frank, what has happened these last two months is upon my head. The death, destruction, loss, and pain are my burden. I should have seen it coming, and I should have stopped it. So I don't know if that means Dalinar and Navani broke up, and she's really sad about it. Yeah, I think this is just about her bad breakup <laughs> with her. Be. 
nice butt I don't want toy. them. I don't want them to break up. That's not what I'm saying. I'm saying it could be though. Could or it could be the war is going poorly and Sadius has you know done a coup and taken over everything and I don't know. <sighs> but we've got a Shalon chapter to lead us out. We do, and this is such a good chapter, you uh-huh. guys, because because you'll see in a minute. Um, <laughs> I thought you were excited about the scholarship, and then I remembered <laughs> you're excited about the... I'm excited about something else. Okay. So, um, Shalon and Yasna have gotten on a boat, and they're headed to the Shattered Plains. They happen to be on the same boat, same captain, same crew that Shalon had been traveling with in her pursuit of Yasna. Nice. So she knows everybody on board and everything, and they're, you know, I'm going to say maybe happy to see Shalon and frightened to see Yasna because she sure has a presence. She does. Like, anything she says, they do. And it's, I don't think it's just because she's the king's sister. She just has this aura. This perfect exterior. Yeah. Like, Wish I could replicate that. Be great. Conceal, don't feel, don't let it show. Let it show. <laughs> you just think... Murder. And then people <laughs> It's like they can tell by looking at her that she has killed and she will kill again. <laughs> so this this sort of thing that, that Brandon started um describing, I was getting a little confused by because I was again reading too fast because I wanted to find out what happened. But uh Shalon's drawing something and there's a pattern that keeps popping up and like like you know how in tangled <laughs> how Rapunzel looks up at her ceiling and realizes that she's drawn the sun in mm-hmm. everything she's ever done yeah uh this is something like that although I think this is more like Shalon is drawing shades more so she's detailing in the beads and mm-hmm. stuff and and she sees a pattern in the beads that she's drawn and then what happens to this drawing the pattern moved sliding across the page so it's she's watching an animated flip book version <laughs> <laughs> of what she's doing but it's moving like mm. moving around where it should not be mm. keep going keep going okay Mm-mm. what nothing so so she kind of freaks out and everyone's like ah what's wrong and she's like nothing because again you don't want people to think you're you're losing it just tell people these things mm-hmm She's out there enjoying the fresh air and everything, and they see a creature called <gasps> a Santhid. 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 Yeah. And it was, okay, it turned out to be a domed brown-green shell about the size of three rowboats lashed together. As they passed by, the shell came up alongside the ship and somehow managed to keep pace, sticking up out of the water perhaps six or eight feet. So I'm like, cool, giant tortoise. But later in the book, they talk about how it is similar to a tortoise or something. And so we know it's not a giant turtle, but no one knows what they look like because yeah. no one has, like, they'll show up every, what, five to ten years? Yeah. And the sailors are like, cool, this is so lucky. This is great. Our journey is blessed. Hallelujah. But Shalon's like, I want to see it. I want to see it. And, and she's like, let me down off the boat. And they're like, absolutely not. I'm just going to dangle a bright lady in the water. <laughs> yes. So they tell her no. And she's like, fine. So she's like trying to draw the top of it as well as she can. Because, you know, 
she's a scholar. Yep. And she's she's a naturalist, especially. Mm-hmm. That's that's what really interests her. Yeah, because they're also talking about that these things have washed up on the beach before, but they're usually too badly decomposed. Mm-hmm. So no one really knows what they look like. And that would kill me to be like, I'm right here. I'm like 10 feet away from it. And I still don't know what it looks like. Uh, she wants to get in and the, the captain says, absolutely. The captain forbids her and Shalon backs off about that. Yeah. She's like, okay, fine. And then Yasna comes up above deck and she's looking at Shalon's sketches. She mm-hmm. sees Shadesmar and she double checks with Shalon. Like, you haven't been back there, right? Because does Yasna not know about Shalon's memory pictures with a capital M? She just thinks she's a really good artist. I think so. Okay. okay. Well, I don't, I don't think we've seen on screen shallan explain okay no one's pointed at a sketch and says, that's a memory <laughs> but yeah uh shallan wonders for a second she's like maybe does yasna believe me because you know they they did start off with shallan planning to rob yes yeah yeah but i find it an interesting parallel to yasna how she feels that her father may not uh perfectly trust her Oh, that is interesting. And, oh my gosh, can't believe it. We're in chapter one and we're getting so much information about what Shadesmar actually is. Yeah, like it's, I won't say info dump, but it's, they're having very direct conversations of this is this and that is that. And I'm just like, thank you. So Emily. I've worked very hard to get this information. So Shadesmar is not truly a location. It's the place of the mind. And it is known as the cognitive realm. I only know that because the page is open to it. I did not read this chapter that well, you guys. So Yasna says, listen, I don't know a bunch about it. I mean, even though I've been going there for six years, but she's like, I don't, I don't know a ton about it. Uh, do they talk about Spren in this conversation? I don't think so. I think that's later on when they talk about like, you have the dumb, dumb Spren. So, but I, wait, I love this moment. Go back one page where Yasna's trying to uh, explain it, uh, how like Shades Mars is all around us and all everything. So they, they get to the bow of the ship and Yasna says, look down into the water. What do you see? Shalon says, I see eternity. <laughs> and Yasna goes, spoken like an artist. <laughs> oh, Shalon, you're so dramatic. But explains that Shalon's the drama kid of the crew. <laughs> Yes, it explains that the ship is on top of the water, but there is a huge world underneath it that's like bustling with life and activity that mm-hmm. they can't see just while they're up on the ship. And she talks about how Shadesmart is the world of Spren, where there are there are intelligent Spren, and then there are ones that are, you know, just... Mm-hmm. How does she explain it? Well, okay, this is this is what I was sorry. This was the conversation to which I was referring, where Yasna asks Shalon to explain what spren are. Oh, got it. Got and it. Shalon goes off into you know a bit of this flowery thing at first, and Yasna's like, no, no. What are they? And Shalon's like, uh, living ideas. And Yasna is like, oh yeah, that <laughs> yes. Um. So, what are the beads in Shadesmar? deconstructed pieces of our world yeah so like they're the idea of a thing okay okay so like each bead remember you touch it and you get an idea of the thing that it represents so that is the 
thoughts of the things that exist in our plane. Okay. And Shadesmar is also considered the kingdom of the spren, which are ideas. Uh-huh. Okay. Li- Sorry, I thought you were going to keep talking. Living ideas. <laughs> I'm trying to do the thing where I talk for a bit and then you, bam, fill in the blanks <laughs> like a professional Cosmere scholar you are. <laughs> Boy. No, I would fail, Yasmin. <laughs> Phenomenal <laughs> Cosmere knowledge. <laughs> if you've any thinking space. <laughs> so she tells Yasna, hey, this weird pattern thing is happening, which good for Shalon. Uh-huh. I feel like in a lot of books or stories something weird happens wait wait important important you interrupt I'm so, me i'm all so the time sorry. i'm so sorry spren are part of the cognitive world that have leaked into the physical world and yasna says information about this is hard to get from the spren why because there are not many like sill a lot of them are like rot spren or glory spren no Yasna says the information is hard to get from the Spren because of an ancient betrayal, the <gasps> details of which they will not tell her. Oh, where is that? Oh, betrayal. Betrayal! I thought you liked it because um, I you really like betrayal. <laughs> but yeah, so Spren live in Shadesmar. They have cities. So there's like sentient ones. She says some are as clever as humans and create cities. Others are like fish and simply swim in the currents. Do you know, I was trying to talk about this and you interrupted me and went off in a different direction. And now you circle back to this. Well, yeah, that's what uh, I just wanted to talk about the betrayal. It's important. Okay. I'm sorry I'm like this. You're very excited. I'm so excited all the time. So... Okay, now I'm going to circle back to my other point that I was making before you interrupted me to go back to the betrayal. Before I betrayed you. <laughs> um, where Shalon tells Yasna, hey, this weird pattern thingy is happening. And, and I was saying that in a lot of books and movies, if something weird happens, the person decides to keep it from everyone else. Either you're bitten by a zombie and you don't want to tell anybody or... You know, something weird is happening. Maybe there's magic or whatever. I find this so refreshing that Yasna and Shalon's uh, lines of communication have been opened. And I think because Shalon is thinking Yasna's a scholar, she's going to know a bunch of stuff. And I think Yasna really loves teaching. And so when Shalon is curious and asks questions, Yasna doesn't see it as, oh, she's bothering me. It's, oh my gosh, I get to talk about my passion. Like Navani does when she talks about her Fabrials. And it's just really cool to see their relationship that, yeah, it's still a little rocky because, yeah, Shalon did steal something incredibly valuable from her. So here's the thing. Yasna says that the Spren sense impending danger and so they return to us. Our attention now must turn to the Shattered Plains and the relics of Girithiru. It will be a long, long time before you return to your homeland. And poor Shalon is like, but my family needs me. But I'm obviously coming with you, Yasna. But like, ooh, there's a problem. There's a problem. And Shalon has written to them and told them, hey, guys, I'm not coming home. This is important. I got to do this instead. But Yasna reveals that she's already started to take steps yeah. to assist Shalon's family. Which I love that because... I would have thought Yasna would be really harsh. Dismissive? No, like, oh, you stole from me, the soul caster. And I would have thought that she would have punished Shalon and Shalon would be a prisoner. But 
they're kind of partners at this point. And so, yeah, Yasna has taken steps to fix uh, Shalon's family's problems. So what she did is she's going to send them the Soulcaster back. Fixed? Fixed. Fixed. So that the ghost bloods, if you'll remember, the people that are trying to kill Yasna have it. Yeah. Which, and you know, pretty bold sending a working soul caster back into the hands of your enemy. Yeah. Yes, it's just like, yeah, whatever, they can have it. They're not that big of a problem. <laughs> Ghost blood too. <sighs> and then so Navani's gonna fix it. You know, she's like, bring it to me, we'll fix it. And I'm like, Yes, Navani! Yes, get her back on board with this. And then um so, Emily, Yasna has started something else in order to, outside, like, the reason that Shalon's family were relying on the ghost bloods in the first place is that their house was failing. Their house was faltering. Mm-hmm. Um, and that nobody knows Shalon's father is dead. Yeah. Nobody I knows don't think that. She's told Yasna, has she? I think she has. Okay, okay. I guess that would make sense. Because... Um, if you remember at the end of the last book, when Shalon's like, I'm going to show you I can go to this place, this Shadesmar, the creatures ask Shalon oh, for that's a truth. right. And she's like, I killed my father. Because I killed somebody. <laughs> <laughs> and so Yasna's like, okay, we have to raise the standing of your house. How do they do that, Emily? Oh, my goodness. You guys, guess what is going to happen? What happened? Adolin and Shalon are engaged. <laughs> so Yasna has written to her mom and is like, hey, um, so there's this girl I know. And I think we should fix her up with uh, Adolin. And Emily, as you can hear, is so thrilled about this. I, that's all I wanted. That's mm-hmm. all I wanted. I wanted Shalon and Adolin together and look. Arrange the marriage. <laughs> one step closer. And Yasna is worried about how Shalon will take this because she's she started the steps without consulting Shalon. Yeah, first. to change her whole life. How does Shalon feel about it? Shalon is like, oh my gosh, he's a hunk. Okay, that was paraphrased. <laughs> <laughs> she's like... Everybody knows who he is. Everybody knows this guy. Everybody knows he's like, you know, third in line to the throne. And and she's going about all these things she knows. And she's listing out how cool Adolin is. And then she says, wait, why are you giving, like, not giving him to me. That's not what. <laughs> why are you presenting me this handsome boy wrapped up in a bow, the best boy in all the land? Yeah. And she says, you know, my house is for, from, like, pretty much a disgraced house and all of these things. And... Yasna turns right back around and says, no, if you are what I think you are, you are going to be a very important person. And basically, we get you first sort of a thing. Uh, so does this mean that if someone tries to contract Lys, even when Shalon and Adolin are engaged, is Shalon considered part of the Kalin household and Yasna would get to, like, save her from Lys? Maybe. Okay. Um, you guys, I called it, this is like me winning the lottery. I can't believe it. I was so excited when I read this. Like, I had to stop and put the book down and just revel in it. Uh, yeah, so you're pretty excited. So Yasna's worried Shalon will be offended. Shalon is like, actually, this is great. And I love this because it's like, 
Yasna, Alifkar's most notable feminist. Am I betraying my principles <laughs> by arranging a marriage? <laughs> Shalon's like, when, 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 when? <laughs> um, my favorite is Shalon is like, oh my gosh, you thought I'd be offended? You know, I spent my entire life thinking my dad would pick. Besides, the first dude I tried to flirt with <laughs> ended up being a fake ardent and a jam assassin. <laughs> so. so here's the thing, though, which I'm looking for patterns. I'm looking for, you know, everything. Mm-hmm. I am hoping history doesn't repeat itself in that Renarin falls in love with Shallan, but Adolin claims, quote unquote, claims her first and Renarin is yeah, uh, noble and backs off. She she actually asks, why not the younger son? Mm-hmm. And, and Yasna says, oh. listen, you have a lot to offer Adolin. Mm-hmm. He's an idiot. You have a lot to offer, Adolin. <laughs> she straight up is like, uh, no other girl will have <laughs> Real fast, Emily, who are the two people ahead of Adolin for the throne? It is Elokar and Dalin- Dalinar and the kid. Yes, yes. Emily was very incensed to find out Elokar has a secret son. Oh, yeah, we talked about this. Yeah. And I'm just like, come on, Brandon. But, you yeah. have, we, we had a thousand... And 1,100 pages to mention this at one point, and now I have to be worried about this poor kid who's being raised by idiot parents. The Alethi are the center of society. Even girls from rural houses know the names of the Alethi princes. And she'd been lying if she denied youthful daydreams of meeting one. (laughs) This is like meeting your hero and being like, hey, we're getting married. So, so... Let's set this back a little bit. They are not engaged, engaged, engaged. There's something called a causal mm-hmm. that is entered first. I just had to revel in the fact that yeah. that other people wanted them to get together as well, that I was not alone in my yeah. my wishing and wanting. So it's a conditional betrothal. Mm-hmm. Um, they're engaged, but they're not, she's not legally, it's not legally binding until an official betrothal is signed and verified by the artists because... Navani's like, this is a great idea. This is a great idea. And then what did Dalinar say? I don't remember. The boy's father has said he will not force Adolin into anything. So Dalinar's like, shouldn't they meet? <laughs> You're so old-fashioned, Dalinar. So the boy is recently single as he has managed to offend yet another young lady. Regardless, Dalinar would rather you two meet before anything more binding is agreed upon. There have been dot, dot, dot. Shifts in the political climate of the Shattered Plains. Yeah. And then Shalon's like, not even listening. She's like, Adolin Kalin, a duelist, and even a shard bearer. Yeah, here's the thing. Apparently, a lot of people have secret shard blades, which I thought, like, those things would be, like, documented and kept. Because Uh Shalon has a shard blade. I'm 99% sure. Liss has a shard blade or some shard dagger or something. Shacker. <laughs> and so, I mean, I feel like that would even be enough, even if Shalon wasn't wasn't some amazing, cool person with all these cool powers. If she had a shard blade, I feel like people would want to align themselves with her. So, if if we're following your hypothesis that Shalon has a secret shard blade. <laughs> a secret shard blade. A secret shard blade. <laughs> and Lish has a secret shard blade. What do these <gasps> it's two people because, have in common? Because they're ladies and ladies aren't supposed to own a... Oh, she's going to be in so much trouble. Oh, no. Oh, no. I didn't even think about that. 
You're only in trouble if you get caught. <laughs> <laughs> but Yasna knows about it and she doesn't care. Because she's think, a heretic. Do you think Yasna knows about the unconfirmed, your hypothesized unconfirmed secret shard blade? No, um, she knows that Liz has one. She knows that Liz yes. has one. Yes. Okay. Whew, I got really excited about that for a second, you guys. <laughs> um, and then Yasna gives Shalon one more lesson here. Basically, it's this is how you, like, what you want. Like, Baby, I got it. <laughs> what you need. Um, there is a secret you must learn, child, Yasna said. A secret that is even more important than those relating to Shade Smart and Spren. Power is an illusion of perception. And basically, she says, basically, fake it till you make it, uh-huh. but much more eloquently. Like, oh, and I'm going to feel really bad that I cannot remember the name of this author, but he, they told a story at LTUE where it was one of the, the early days of his career. And there was, like, the room where, like, all the cool authors were, like, all the big and upcoming, and he'd been shuttled off to the side of, like, yeah, you're here, but no one's coming to see you. And there was some big signing with like these four or five, like really big authors. And one author didn't show and he realized the author wasn't going to be there. So he got up on stage with his books and took the dude's spot. What? And that's how he got noticed. And oh my gosh. Like, no, I could never do that. I feel like that's morally wrong. <laughs> well, he didn't pretend to be that. Author. Oh, okay. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> It wasn't a panel. It was a oh. it was like the special book signing table. Yeah, okay. I apologize. I did not set that up well. I was like, <laughs> what is it called? Not stolen honor. Stolen valor. Stolen valor. Yeah. So he, you know. Valor is dead. <laughs> so he was able to advance his career by, by doing that. Um, I'm not 100% sure I agree with that. But in the moment, it'd be like, yeah, a tiny little author, you know, jumping up to like, the big kid table. Good for you. If they were a movie protagonist, we'd be cheering. We'd the be music cheering would tell us it was the right choice to make. Yeah. Um, and so Shalon takes this lesson from Yasna and she goes back to the captain. And mm-hmm. she's like, you will lower me over the side. I am going to study the Sanfid. What do your men use, like, to look at things underwater? So she gets oh, a pair of... She gets, like, scuba goggles. Uh-huh. Which I think is adorable. And they lower her into the water and she sees this creature that no one has laid eyes on before. Like this, forget that she can travel the shades, Mar. Forget that Yasna Kalin is a natural soul caster. Forget that she's engaged to third in line to the Alethi throne. This is her passion. And this is a dream come true for this girl. So remember at the beginning of, well, no, during their conversation in this chapter where Yasna was like, you see the ocean? There is so much in the world we don't know that's just beneath the surface. Yeah. And Shalon goes underneath the surface. She's going to find out all the secrets. Because Shalon is going to start learning things in this book. Mm-hmm. Oh, and so she gets to take a memory of the Sanfid. Yeah. And she's going to collect it for later sketching. Like, Shalon is well on her way to becoming. I am on my way. <laughs> Everybody in the road and corner. So, also cool cool thing um so i went to england in 2016 it was a long time ago i know it was a long time ago (laughs) and one of the things i did this was something i'd saved up for is i went on a uh beatrix potter 
tour. Uh-huh. And so we got to go see her house. We got to go see, you know, where she lived and all of these things and, and explored, you know, the Lake District and everything. And there is a museum there that has a lot of her sketches because she was an artist and an author. Um, women, I'm going to say girls, because she was young, were not allowed to uh, submit papers or submit things to this, you know, British science club not just like academy. yeah basically and so if i'm remembering correctly and i really hope i am she would hypothesize things or submit papers but have her uncle turn them in under his name and got published that way because she made several discoveries about like mushrooms and mold by studying the real world to this day uh Fungal identifications are still tied back to the incredibly exquisite detailed illustrations that she made from going out and studying on her own. Yeah. She's a naturalist like Shalon. She is so cool. I, okay, remember we talked about meeting your heroes? If I could meet anyone from any time, it would be Beatrix Potter and I would fangirl so hard. Oh, hold a seance. (laughs) Summon her up for (laughs) you. Anyway, she's so cool. She's my Yasna Kalin. Oh, she's my Yasna Kalin. Emma Thompson? Yeah. 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 Bridge Fort! <laughs> that was right in my ear. Chapter <laughs> 2, Bridge Fort! So here's, I'm not, I'm not forgetting. You realize this time I'm not forgetting. Uh-huh, you got the epigraphs. You got this down. It says, our first clue was the Parshendi. Even weeks before they abandoned their pursuit of the gem hearts, their pattern of fighting changed. They lingered on the plateaus after battle as if waiting for something. And so this is such a good way to introduce tension into something that is going to happen that you, the audience, and we've talked about this before, so we won't go into a lot of detail, but when the audience knows something is happening or something bad's going to happen that ratchets up the tension that the characters don't know. And so you get worried for the characters. Um, and so I like that we realize the status quo is going to change. And as readers, we don't know what that means. And it's kind of freaking me out. Oh, no, no, no. <laughs> Stick to the status quo. So yeah, this is the, did you see the bomb under the table? Yes, we talked about yep. that in a, in a different podcast. I know, so. but this is the bomb under this the table. This is the bomb under the table, tick, guys. Tick, 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 tick. So, Emily, keep an eye out for the Parshendi changing their pattern of attack. Because mm-hmm. then you'll know that's a couple weeks before whatever Navani is referring to. All right. So, Kaladin wakes up and he's kind of contemplating, like, wow, this is my life as a free man. This is really cool. First day of school. First day of school. <laughs> and so, this chapter is kind of setting up what everything is now and what it looks like and, and how things are going to be. So it's it's kind of an establishing chapter. Kaladin's been sleeping through a high storm oh, yeah. safely in his nice new barracks. Not he's tied, tied to, to the roof. roof. <laughs> um, and it's the riddance, which is the, the smaller pattern of rain after. Mm-hmm. And all the bridgemen are out still shaving with Rock's razor yes. that uh, they bought for him as a gift. I love that. So here's the thing. He's going out and looking around and there are 20 barracks that are that's housing everyone because... About a thousand bridgemen. Yeah, 20 buildings that Dalinar should so easily be able to find a block of 20 buildings for the bridgemen bespoke a terrible truth. The cost of Sadius's betrayal. It talks about the scribes that are bringing things in and out and how some of them are like red-eyed and crying. Because Kaladin just realizes this now or he's telling the audience that, oh, like 6,000 men died. 
do you know how many widows and orphans there are going to be now? Like, Sadius didn't just do this to Dalinar's army. He did this to Alethi. Alethkar. Alethkar. It was, well, the Alethi people. Only the Kolinar princedom, though, which Sadius doesn't care about. Oh, he's such... I just want to wring his neck. I just want to Stab him in the eye. Yeah. So anyways, I just want to know what Sadius thought he was going to get. Like, to betray someone like that, to kill 6,000 people, what was worth it? Like, what was he going to get out of it? Getting rid of Dalinar and having the king's ear. I don't like it. And now here's something else to consider. With Dalinar out of the way and Adolin out of the way. There's just Renarin, who's easy pickings. I'm talking about the line for the throne. Oh! Who's next in line for the throne? It would be Renarin after the kid. Yeah. The kid. Oh, he would get to raise the kid, basically. I mean, yeah. If it, oh, if... wait, stop. What are you saying? He wouldn't get to raise the kid, but I'm saying he's got Elokar's ear. Uh-huh. And it's a surefire bet that... Sorry, this is just me hypothesizing what Sadie's might have wanted got it, from got this. It. And, like, this kid is not going to grow up with a great Uncle Dalinar teaching him about the codes oh, that's anymore. Right, that's right. And. Because Dalinar would have died. Deadinar. <laughs> oh, no. I'm still worried for him. <laughs> He'll be fine. Okay. <sighs> okay. I don't believe you now. Dalinar's going to die. Ever, uh, all men must die. Shut up. <laughs> they are going out and looking at the different bridge crews that are there and they've been told you're free i don't think i not very many of them took it everyone else stayed here because i think this is either all they know or they're just too broken to go do anything and scar and moash and teft and everyone are looking at these people going was that really what we were like because these men are so dejected and so downhearted and just look like street rats. So they're just like, we have to kick these people back into shape. Okay. Kellen's like, I did it with you guys. <laughs> so Kaladin has been made a captain, the highest that Dalinar will deign to promote a Dark Eyes. Mm-hmm. And so Kaladin is like, okay, well, time for my support structural system. <laughs> uh, so now Sigzel, Rock, Teft, Moash, and Scar are all lieutenants, with Rock being quartermaster mm-hmm. and Lopin is his second. Um, Teft will be in charge of training, Sigzel will be team clerk, and Moash, Scar, and Kaladin will mainly be in charge of guarding Dalinar. Yeah. And it's, it's, uh, agreed upon twixt the three of them that Dalinar is, like, the best hope for keeping the free men free. Mm-hmm. Um, although Kaladin does mention that if worst comes to worse... He'll train these 1,000 bridgemen as mercenaries, and they will leave the camps still. Mm-hmm. But for now, he's going to hang out because he made a promise to Dalinar, give mm-hmm. him his cloak. And they realize they really need to try hard to keep Dalinar alive because even they have heard trickle down the news reel line of the assassin in white who's been going from country to country executing important people. And they're like, Dalinar's got to be on his list. And listen... We know Dalinar's on his list. Update. The assassin in white continues his rampage across the lands of Roshar. <laughs> oh, oh, and here's the other thing. Because um, Kaladin is a little surprised at himself that he is putting so much trust into Dalinar. 
he realizes he's doing it because Syl likes Dalinar. <laughs> if I didn't know Syl was an honor friend, uh-huh. I would totally be convinced this is the ghost of his wife. <laughs> That's your opinion! <laughs> so they decide that they are going to get tattoos. So... It's, it's not that they, like, are looking around a day and be like, do you want a tattoo? I want a tattoo. Because they have been legally freed, um, they're having a tattooist who's part of Dalinar's war camp is going to tattoo over their slave brands with glyphs that inform when they were freed, who freed them, and uh, the that date. sort of stuff. Yeah. That's filed under when they were freed. Sorry, I missed that part. And they, they do it. In addition... Because Hopper's the first one and everyone's like, oh, it looks pretty good. And then additionally, Hopper wants to add bridge four to his tattoo. And they're like, what? And they're like, oh, because you were freed from bridge four. He's like, no, I was saved by bridge four. Ah! (laughs) Everyone else decides I'm getting one. And so everyone sits down and everyone gets this tattoo. And they don't all get them on their foreheads. Because they don't all know it has to be the special one. They don't all have slave brands on their foreheads. So Moash still gets a bridge four tattoo, but not on his forehead. Emily, where does Moash get his he super gets it special on his tattoo? Shoulder. Which listen, that's the smartest thing he's done all of these two books. Cause you know, if you flex just right, it looks like the bridge is running. <laughs> just kidding, it's a glyph. It's, it's not an glyph. actual picture of the bridge. Yeah, I don't blame him. Like he really wanted to get one, but he was really hesitant to get it on his forehead for some reason. They don't really say why. Um, but he gets it on his shoulder to say that yeah, we're still a part of this. So Kaladin sits down to get his and the the ink won't hold. Why? Because he has Stormlight inside him, so he, like, gets rid of it really, really fast, and then the tattooist is able to, the scribe woman, is able to put the tattoo on, and Kaladin, I don't know if he feels empty without Stormlight, but he pulls in a little just so he can have some, and immediately the ink runs down his face, like, he cannot keep a tattoo on him, so here's the thing, why doesn't the Stormlight heal his old scars? I was literally going to ask you that question. <laughs> so, Emily, why doesn't the Stormlight heal his old scars? Maybe he got it the ability after he had those scars. And so it doesn't count? No, he had Syl before that. Well, yeah. But you're right. Maybe maybe it, it can't do older scars. Yeah, because he gets healed from everything else. Yeah. Maybe it's like huh. while you have Stormlight in you or something. Huh. I don't know. So I'm interested because here's the other thing. If all the men are tattooed saying we're free and something happens, Kaladin doesn't have that. He doesn't have that permanent mark saying that he's a free man. Plus, he has the Shash brand that means he's dangerous. Uh-huh. Ugh. Wow. This could be a poor turn of events for our could buddy old be pal. bad. So Look yeah. at you. Look at me making. Why didn't the Stormlight <laughs> heal his scars? Um, oh, they even give one to Shen. Yeah. And the tattooist doesn't want to at first. She's like, no, he's property. I can't do this. And they're like, he's bridge four and he's free like us. Yeah. She's like, you're not even going to be able to see it, but okay. Which is dumb because Sigzel has really dark skin and it shows up just fine on him as well. Mm-hmm. So they get their own uniforms. Yeah, they do. And I feel so 
bad for this quartermaster. Costumer. Yeah, because... Costumer? Yeah. Quartermaster. Okay, whatever. They're not costumes. They're uniforms. <laughs> Listen, anything's a costume if you try hard enough. I feel so bad for this uh, Etsy cosplay crafter <laughs> that has to make the colon uniforms. Because here's the thing. They cut out... What is it? What is it they cut out? They don't cut it out. There is a patch sewn on the shoulder mm-hmm. that's the symbol of the Cobalt Guard. Okay. This is the symbol of the Honor Guard. Got it. I thought, like, they cut a hole in their sleeves and were like, we're not this. And they, they have new patches put on that basically say Bridge 4. Okay, Emily, you have not been allowed to look at the front cover yet. Right. Now you get to look at the <gasps> front cover. Oh, it's the cool, it's the cool thingy! Now, it's, it's, I'm assuming Kaladin in the Cobalt Guard thing. Now, I want you to squint real close at the patch on his shoulder. Okay. It's like a cross saber at the top and Bill Cipher with wings. Do you recognize that symbol? Isn't it Coke and Lynn? I don't no, recognize it. No. It's not Coke and Lynn. Oh, because it's Bridge Four. Yeah. Okay. And that's a symbol you yell at me about sometimes. What? I'm trying to help you sound smart for the podcast. <laughs> it got try harder. Okay, I'm listeners, I'm grabbing my jacket that I'm wearing. It's She's it's wearing a Camp Cretaceous, Camp Cretaceous jacket, jacket. And I'm tracing something on top of the jacket and I'm mouthing to Emily, it's the jacket I have. <laughs> And you ask me when I wear that jacket, what's that symbol? It's bridge four. And I four. said I can't tell you yet. But it's bridge four. I have a bridge four jacket, I love Emily. That. I bought it at one of the books. I releases. love that. That's so, amazing. The symbol on Kaladin's uniform on the front <clears throat> cover is the symbol that's on my jacket. Oh, I love that. I was so worried when you're like, you can't look at the cover. I'm like, do I have to wait till like the last 20 no. pages before I can look at it? I thought you would get the jacket thing. Yes. I did not. I like... <laughs> <laughs> All righty. Oh, Tef knows how to put the army jacket on. Yeah, he does. And like knows how to buckle the buttons and put it on right while everyone else is like really struggling and... <laughs> You know, there's, Kaladin's kind of giving him a hard time. He's like, when are you going to accept, like, this is who you are? And Teft is basically like, when are you going to accept who you are? Like, they want Kaladin to go out and, like, kind of announce to the world, like, this is what I am. And he's like, no. I'm a radiant. (laughs) I'm a radiant. (laughs) Oh, bridge four. Mm -hmm. Bridge four. Yep. All right. Chapter three. Yes. Which starts with. Uh, the picture of the Santhid. Santhid. So it does have like a turtle shell, but it's like a squid. It has like one. Well, it maybe has two eyes. I can't tell if it's one on either side or if it's like a cyclops. But, um. And die. <laughs> <laughs> and so I want to shout out to Ben McSweeney, who is the illustrator for Shallan's sketchbook pages. Beautiful. Uh, like I said, all of the interior art for the Stormlight Archives are supposed to be considered artifacts from the world itself. Mm-hmm. So this isn't Ben drawing a Santhid. This is supposed to be, this is what Shalon's sketchbook page looks like. Yeah. There's even like tiny, tiny details like the hair 
on the ridge uh-huh. of the eyebrow sort of a thing. It reminds me a lot of the Portuguese man of war. Mm-hmm. Yeah. It's really, really cool. And here we have it in scale with the boat, which you know how you're mad that Kaladin is much taller than you thought? He's not. I'm upset. <laughs> I'm upset that the Santhid is much smaller than I thought because oh. on my pre- my first reading, uh, Shalon mentioned that it was three rowboats mm-hmm. tied together. Mm-hmm. And I misread that as three full sailing ships. Oh. I thought this thing was colossal. It's, I mean, it's, it's big. Okay. Don't get me wrong. <laughs> but, yeah. So that's the that's the illustration that's right there. But we're going to start with the epigraph. And it says, this is also, everything's been from Navani Kalin's diary. Soldiers report being watched from afar by an unnerving number of Parshendi scouts. Then we notice a new pattern of their penetrating close to the camps in the night and then quickly retreating. I can only surmise that our enemies were even then preparing their stratagem to end this war. Ooh. Yes, Prediction. I? Okay. Don't burn me at the stake. I think they're after Kaladin. I think that's who they're looking for. Uh, I smiled when you said that, but not because of what you said. I smiled because I wanted to say this is predictions, not condemnation. <laughs> Not condemnation. <laughs> Thank you. But yeah, uh, you think their strategy to end the war is Kaladin? Well, I think, I don't know if they're wanting to end the war, but I think that Kaladin is such a wrench in their plans that they're willing to... Yeah, preparing their stratagem to end this war. So maybe, maybe they figure if they take Kaladin or kill him that they'll be able to just... Because if they're coming up close enough to the to the war camps that people can see them... Like, where we have to use um, bridges to get across, and they just, like, leap. Yeah. So, they're dangerous. <laughs> so, Shalon is reading a book. Who is the author of this book? I don't know. Uh, I'll help you out. It's Yasna's History of the Hierarchy. Oh, cool. Cool. It's one of Yasna's earliest published works as a scholar. Ooh, that's awesome. And it's not on Shalon's uh, assigned reading list. Instead, Shalon asked for a copy. I feel like it's a character insert of Brandon being like, yeah, that's one of my earliest drafts of my work. I'm not super thrilled. I, I, th- I can do better now. Either that or, yes, it feels bad because Shalon is Vorin. And this is slamming um, the, the Vorin church. But it's talking about the hierarchy, which is the church. It's the time where the church tried to take over um, and pretended to know the future. Mm -hmm. And so it's talking about how the church was teaching falsehoods, but also altering documents and books and records to match the dogma that they were preaching. Mm -hmm. Uh, Because the thing is, the church was suspicious of the knights radiant. But the whole point of Voronism is worshipping the Ten Heralds, who are the leaders of the Orders of Knights Radiant. Yeah. So that is interesting because I wonder if there are any surviving copies of whatever they changed. Altered, yeah. Because um, when you... Not that I ever have. I don't don't have the language skill to translate. I don't. But um, it's really interesting that there... We're finding out more and more and more... Like, when you're biased, even if it's an unconscious bias and you translate something, that bias comes out in the text. So, the Odyssey was recently retranslated by a female scholar who realized that all the other transcripts that came before 
a lot of things had been changed to a more masculine take on it. And so all the translations we have of the Odyssey are very male-dominated translations and changed the meaning of some things. So, just saying. So I'd be intrigued to see if they could find any unaltered, like, you know, pull a Gandalf. If Yasna is going to track down an unabridged or if she, or an unaltered one. Unabridged four. <laughs> And I'm just intrigued to see, I've said that too, I've said that word too many times. I want to know if they've tracked down an original copy of something. That's what I want to know. So as Shalon is studying, this pattern that she had drawn earlier catches her eye and it... Should we just let the dog jingle in the background? Yes, I'm sorry, you guys. We keep trying to get him to go upstairs, but there is a toy that he just wants to play with downstairs here with us. So apologies, that's what you're hearing. You look so derpy with your long hair that I need to give you a haircut. <gasps> Come here, sweetums, McKee. And the lipstick funny. on his head that I you kissed him with. Him. So she, here, you're going to have to help me explain this because this is a little, uh -huh. a little abstract. This was a little abstract to me. Okay. So this is the same pattern that were, that was on her sketch pad. And she's been seeing it around. Okay. Here's how I want to explain it. It's radial. So it's like a circle with spiky shapes. Think of an incredibly complex snowflake. Okay. Um, with way more than six points. That shifts. So you know those those cool metal windmills that like have things turning in opposite directions? Yeah. yeah. And the way they intersect? I, I want you to think of the pattern as something like that. Okay. And it's... What I mean by radial is like it's similar all of its different points. Okay. It's like repeated all the way around. Maybe so, you should draw it for me. <laughs> so, hold on, stop. I don't think we fully appreciated how early on I called Adolin Shalon. Yeah, like, <laughs> as soon as we met Adolin, you're like, and we find out he can't date anyone, you're like, he should just date Shalon. <laughs> I just want to throw that out that I called it. Yes, you're very smart. Shut I'm up. I'm so proud of this. Can you do me a favor and go get the copy of Way of Kings? Where is it? I don't know. I don't know. Did you put it back on the shelf? Probably. That would be a good place to check. Okay, so she, every time she tries to look right at the pattern, it vanishes. So she's doing a thing where she's focusing on something else on the table and just trying to notice it out of the corner of her eye. So like right now I'm staring at the microphone but I'm also looking at the waveform that's appearing on the computer. Mm -hmm. And she says, It was one of those things, the symbol heads. This pattern was similar to their strange heads. She looked back at the page but did not read. The ship swayed and the glowing white spheres in her goblet clinked as they shifted. She took a deep breath, then looked directly at the pattern. Immediately it began to fade, the ridges sinking. Before it did, she got a clear look at it and she took a memory. So I thought the symbol heads were like people sized. The the ones the ones that were chasing before. her, yeah. So like she... with like they had like cloaks. I thought they were like yeah, because the symbol was just their heads. Yeah, I got the feeling that they were okay. They don't have heads. I get that, but you guys know on Camino in Attack of the Clones, the tall like clonists that they go talk uh -huh. to that that actually made all the clones. 
I got that that weird alien vibe from these symbol. Although they were described as neckless, right? Oh, but yeah, I understand that that because the ones on the on the movie have very long necks. I understand that. I just mean they have like very long limbs and just kind of otherworldly. They're my favorite aliens from Star Wars. Really? They're just so cool. Okay, I am gonna have you read something in book one. Where is it? All right. I don't know if this is 100% it, but this is something that I think is connected to this. This is when Shalon is, it's it's in uh, Beggars and Barmaids when she's hanging out in her room. Mm-hmm. She lay back on the bed, resting, staring up at the brown stone ceiling, cut like the rest of the conclave directly out of the mountain. Here, the stone had been left intentionally rough, evoking the roof of a cave. It was quite beautiful, in a subtle way she'd never noticed before, the colors and contours of the rock rippling like a disturbed pond. She took a sheet from her portfolio and began to sketch the rock pattern, one sketch to calm her, and then she would get back to the soul caster. She couldn't capture the color of the strata, not in charcoal, but she could record the fascinating way the strata wove together, like a work of art. Had some stoneworker cut this ceiling intentionally, crafting this subtle creation, or was it an accident of nature? She smiled, imagining some overworked stonecutter noticing the beautiful grain of the rock and deciding to form a wave pattern for his own personal wonder and sense of beauty. What are you? Shalon yelped, sitting up, sketch pad bouncing free of her lap. Someone had whispered those words. She'd heard them distinctly. She was studying a pattern in the ceiling and something talked to her. (laughs) I think there's dots. I've connected two dots. (laughs) So we get another huge chunk of information in this part that after Shalon has taken a memory and sketched this and everything. Here, you explain. Because again, it's so much information, it's hard to keep straight. So Okay, so Shalon is noticing this pattern. And she decides she wants to draw it. So she gets ink because, you know, pencils are very soft. Pencils and charcoals are quite soft. But ink, you could do very crisp lines. And as she is trying to focus on this pattern. So Shalon took a memory of this pattern. And so she's holding it in her head. And as she starts drawing it, creation spren, dozens of them are being drawn to her. And the the complex repetitions in this pattern, you know, fractal, whatever, uh, seems like it goes on into infinity. But whatever she's done, she has hundreds of creation spread following her and then you know like she's she's been seeing this pattern out of the sides of her eye the whole time but the one she drew on the page from her sketched memory lifts up off of the page and becomes something she can look at that sounds pretty significant it does doesn't it and she's breathing hard like she's been running for ages the drawing doesn't vanish, but the exact pattern that she recorded lifts up and moves. Hey, Emily, do you remember in book one an interlude with some Spren scholars? Yes. And they were talking about, do you remember what exactly they discovered about Flame Spren? It's when you look at them, they freeze, or when you try and measure them, they freeze. When you measure them and then write down the measurement... 
the flame spren holds to that measurement and stops oh. fluctuating. So this is what's happened to her spren. That's why it's tiny? That's why it's visible. Oh, okay. So she's looked at it. She's recorded what she's seen. Mm-hmm. And she's brought a version, a visible version of this spren mm-hmm. forward. So the pattern was different from the symbol heads, but it also looks the same. A flattened out version without torso or limbs. It was an abstraction, just as a circle with a few lines could represent a human's face on paper. Mm-hmm. And so she used to be freaked out by these things. I mean, they chased her all through the halls of <laughs> Carl Brock. <laughs> and not only uh, can she see it, but she goes to find Yasna and she sees something with Yasna. Yasna has a small figure made of inky blackness shaped like a man in a smart, fashionable suit with a long coat, and it's standing in her palm. And if you'll recall, Yasna ran into a tall, inky black thing before she went to Shadesmar. Emily, that's such an interesting connection. Thank you. That Yasna saw a gigantic human-sized oh! version of oh! that spread. Yeah. And now she has a small one. Shalon saw these gigantic figure-sized cryptic headed spren and now she has a small one and Kaladin had a tiny sill and now he has a giant sill. She's not giant all the time though right. but you're right. He did see her get big. So it would seem that you have to grow them like Pokemon. <laughs> um you didn't connect <laughs> <laughs> You have to raise them. They're like your kids. Okay, well then how come they saw... Okay, so so by this logic, Yasna and Shalon have seen the grown-up versions first. Yes. And they have now each captured a baby spren of that same type. Yes. Okay, that makes sense. Um, we find out the name of Yasna's spren, right? It's a he, isn't it? And he's like... Oh, do you know what? I think she said it in the last book. His name is Ivory. Oh, that's right. And he doesn't like being seen. Mm-hmm. But here is some of the... Listen, we've been recording for a bit. I was like, oh yeah, we're not going to record that long today. What's wrong with us? And we're back to only doing three chapters. Oh, do you know what? We did three chapters in the prologue. We're going to do three chapters next time. But anyway, it's very funny. I feel like Shalon feels the way about this spren as Risen did about her pot of grass in the first <laughs> book. What do I do with it? So we repeat a little bit of what Shalan and Yasna... Shalan? <laughs> Shalan and Yasna... Yet. <laughs> of what these two women spoke about at the end of the last book. And we reiterate that there are there are different orders of Spring. Knights Radiant. Oh. And that each order reportedly had access to two different surges with overlap between them. And the powers are called surge binding. Soul casting is something that Shalon and Yasna share, even though they won't be of the same order of Radiant, should they both become full Radiants. Mm-hmm. And Shalon says, I'm not a Radiant. And Yasna's like, nope, me neither. <laughs> uh, the orders of knights are a construct, just like all of society is a construct. <laughs> we live in a society. Shalon is refreshed to know, well, no, Shalon is excited to find out that there were women Radiance. Yeah. Because, okay, again, going back to 
they have shard blades, but no one else appears to know that they have shard blades and that the women scholars have a secret language that nobody else knows about. I think this would be a really cool thing for Shallan to discover that, oh, 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 this is something that was doable. This is so different from what we know. Mm-hmm. It, the scholar in her has got to be so excited. And Yasna says, don't worry, you're not going to be swinging a sword around. Like, I know all we know about Radiance is they were on the battlefield, but for every Radiant dedicated to fighting, there are at least three dedicated to diplomacy, scholarship, or other ways to aid society. If you remember back to when Dalinar met the Knights Radiant in the Vision, they talked about how a herd needs three things, watchers at the rim, tenders in the field, and flocks to guard. Okay. And so... Uh, this hasn't been confirmed, but I feel like the fighting radiants are the watchers at the rim. Mm-hmm. And then the diplomacy ones that Yasna mentions, they're the tenders of the flock. Got it. Anyway, Shalon's a little disappointed that she won't get to swing a sword. And then we have a little bit of a memory. A memory rose unbidden. A silvery sword, a pattern of light, truths she could not face. She banished them, squeezing her eyes shut. Ten heartbeats. Hmm. Shard blade. We'll call that the... Stormblade shard sword. The shawl, the shawl sword. <laughs> but she shows the spren to Yasna, and it it's like bouncing up and down. Like it's moving up and down onto Yasna's trunk, like, like a child jumping up and down on a sofa. It is the sweetest dum-dum we've ever laid eyes on. And she's like, this doesn't look like the... the freaky huge symbol heads i'd seen earlier because you have to evolve it yasna says most spren manifest differently here than they do in shadesmar oh because when yasna saw the very tall figures Mm -hmm. she saw them in the physical realm and then she fell into the cognitive realm and saw them there so shallan somehow when she was taking memories she was seeing the version of these spren, which we have a name for, they're cryptics. So now we can stop calling them swearheads. <laughs> I might still they're call them swearheads. <laughs> okay, no, Ivory. There, Ivory has a name. There you go. Okay, she mentions Ivory and then stops talking about him because... He doesn't like to be looked at. He doesn't like to be talked about. It makes him anxious. Which I'm just like, oh, buddy, I relate to you so hard. Don't look at me. Don't talk to me. The knights breaking of their oaths was very painful to the spren. Oh. Hey, what oaths? I think, wasn't it the oaths to the people? Was it? I guess. I don't know. So the cryptics rule one of the big cities in Shadesmar. Mm-hmm. They're like the light eyes of the cryptic realm. Which is really I cool. I mean, the cognitive realm. And... There is a conflict between them and the honor spread. <gasps> oh, I missed that part. Spren politics are not something I've been able to devote much time to. Oh, this is cool. So, so, oh no, they're going to meet and Syl is going to be really upset and Ivory is going to be really upset and sweet little Dum Dum's going to be upset. Uh... Ivory is not a cryptic. Ivory is something different. Okay, Dum Dum is gonna. I predict Sil and Dum Dum are gonna be friends. That's my prediction, and they're gonna heal the gap. Mm-hmm. That's what they're mm-hmm. gonna do. Uh, 
there's there's a lot of talking about Spren. You guys, we can't just read you the book on this podcast. You get it, right? But, Emily, there's one more thing that uh, you will be interested in. Mm-hmm. Um, so, Yasna believes that Spren are divided into different categories, a different group. Um, and she thinks this is where the idea of man's gods came from. Mm-hmm. There is a Spren she calls Honor. And she says, Honor became Voronism's almighty, was created by men who wanted a representation of ideal human emotions that they see in emotion spread. Wait, so Honor Spren existed before that and men assigned the Honor Spren a role in their religion? Yeah, they worship a Spren called Honor as the almighty. But I thought the Almighty was dead. What's a phrase we say all the time as a joke? Honor is dead. But if Sills... Oh, there's got to be more than one. That's what it is. Okay, I was getting really, really confused for a minute that... Yeah, okay, so I'm back. Honor is like the biggest and highest of all of the emotion spren. Mm-hmm. And she mentions another huge spren called Cultivation, which is uh, the god worshipped in the West... Uh, a female deity that is an embodiment of nature and nature spren. Mm-hmm. And then there are void spren and the storm father. You guys, if you want to be, if you want to be spren scholars, you read all of this. But uh, the last one is we find out something about the night watcher. They're just called powerful spren, such as the night watcher. So there's Do you know what the night- storm father, almighty and night watcher are three different spren. Yes. Okay. The Night Watcher lives in a valley. Okay. Do you remember who the Night Watcher is? No. Okay. Is that from Dalinar's She's been mentioned before. No. Okay. She's old and magic. That rings zero bells. Old. (laughs) (laughs) She's the one that took Dalinar's memory of his wife. Okay. Here we go. Uh, Shalon is now giving a lot away. Like, There's a lot in this. Well, you just told me who that spread was. They call her the Night Watcher in the first book. I didn't know she was a spread. That's what Yasna says. A powerful spread such as I the Night Watcher. I just let me connect dots sometimes. Hey, you mind. already read these chapters and didn't do it. So the podcast is about... We should rename I it to like my sister Bailey connect it. it. Oh, are you going to remember all of this? <laughs> Emily, I'm trying to help you. I'm trying to give you how firm a foundation. (laughs) The spread of the book is laid in these page if you just take a look. What more can I say than to you, Brandon, has said? (laughs) The spread all on Roshar. The spread all on Roshar. (laughs) The spread all on Roshar <coughs> from spoilers inserted here. <laughs> okay. I'm, I am apparently don't want to wait for you to connect any more dots. And I'm just like, do you see this dot here? And you see how it's in the same sentence as this dot here? Yes. <laughs> Listen, 
If I were rude. <laughs> if I were rude. I'm not. You're not. You're wonderful. Okay, so can I make a joke that I no. would make if I was rude? Will it hurt my feelings? It might. <laughs> I'll close my ears. And then when I feel emotionally okay. stable, I'll listen to Okay, it. cover your ears. You're my dum-dum. <laughs> Have fun editing that. Okay, listen. Yasna gives you so much information. I would encourage you to go through and read this really carefully and take super duper notes. And write down all the spread. <laughs> and write down all the spread. Emily, your spread watch is going to explode. We've got... We've got surges, and we've got spren, and we've got big spren, and we've got void spren, and we've got little dum dub spren. <laughs> okay, listen, we're closing it out now. Thank you for joining with us on another episode of The Way of Kings. Nope. The Words of Radiance. Yes! Just Words of Radiance. Next week, we're going to do three chapters, and we're going to try and do an episode under two hours. <laughs> I believe in us. Next week, we are going to read... Four, taker of secrets. Five, ideals. And six, terrible destruction. I feel like five is a Dalinar one. I feel like terrible destruction will be a Shalon and Yasna one for some reason. And then what was the first one? Taker of secrets. That might be a Kaladin one. If they find a secret. You know what? Right guess is wrong order. You'll find out next time. Okay, everyone. Have a good week. We're going to send my poor ill sister off to bed. It's not COVID. It's not COVID. It's con crud because you had to go to a trade show for work. Yeah, and I'm going to another one this week, so hopefully I get better. You just wear a mask. Get you you a sparkly bedazzled one. Uh, I love you all. I love you all, too. Cosmere scholars, if I've given away something huge, I don't want to hear about it. Emily's not going to remember. <laughs> and I'm just going to have to explain it all over again. It's not wrong. <laughs> they don't have any speed raid. Spartan. Rune. Raid spread. Span reads. That's the one. Sharp. Sword. Sharp. Listen, I am putting my very best effort into this. I'm sorry. So you're doing a good job. <laughs> I am having a good time. I well, want you to know this. Um, I actually do have to get back to storyboarding. I've got to get back to my book. You know what? You can do it. I believe in you. I believe in you. Ready? Break. Break. Thank you very much for listening to another episode of My Sister Made Me View a Covering the Way of Kings by Brandon. I mean, the words of radiance by Brandon Sanderson. A special thanks to Michael Bean Cardi for the use of his song, A Passing Storm, is our intro and outro music. If you like listening to me and Emily talk about stuff, catch us for our next Our Flag Means Death episode on Tuesday the 5th. And then you can follow that up with another Roswell episode on Thursday the 7th. We'll be back with another Our Flag Means Death Tuesday the 12th after that. And then we'll be back with more Words of Radiance on Thursday, July the 14th. Okay, I gotta go to the pieces on the way. Bye, bye. I love you all. I believe in you. Bye.